to the Section 5 Podcast. Welcome to the Section 5 Podcast. It's me, G, at GWebster underscore NBA. We got Adam here, at AELusco617. And we got Trey, at C's Banner underscore 18. Yes. All right. Um, We're one week away from the 2020 NBA draft. It is November, but we are one week away from the 2020 NBA draft. Rumors are starting to fly. The rumor mill is heating up. Celtics have three picks in the first round. And of course, due to that fact, they are right in the middle of most of the rumors and reports that you're hearing going out there. We have some big name players that have started to request trades and just seems like a lots of movement movement is going to happen over the next week or so, uh, especially with free agency opening two days after the draft and the season imminently starting on December 22nd. Um, We feel like there's going to be a lot of action happening over the next week. So we're here on the Section 5 podcast today to preview the NBA draft and sort of give our predictions and see, you know, how the Celtics can can strengthen the team in pursuit of Banner 18 and it starts at the draft. Uh, But before we get into that, on when was this yesterday afternoon so that's tuesday november 10th yesterday afternoon the news broke that celtics legendary coach player broadcaster tommy heinson passed away at the age of i believe tommy heinson was 86 um for me personally uh tommy heinson is probably my favorite celtic uh, you know, my favorite Celtics player, I believe, you know, I, I think for me, it was KG, just just those years that he brought Celtics basketball back. But as a as a as a personality uh, that embodied the Celtics for all for my entire life, Tommy Heinsohn has been associated with the Celtics, both as a player, as a coach, as a broadcaster, Tommy Heinsohn, eight time NBA champion of those dynasty Celtics years, six-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA Coach of the Year, four-time All-NBA Player, 1957 Rookie of the Year, uh, 1973 Coach of the Year. During that rookie season, he had 37 points and 23 rebounds, and I believe it was game seven of the 1957 NBA Finals. In my past life as a tour guide at the Sports Museum, one of my favorite stories was talking about how Tommy Heinsohn, in fact, was the first pick in the 1956 NBA draft. Two picks ahead of Bill Russell, because at that point in time, there were territorial picks. So if a a standout college, college player that played in the region that your professional team was located, you had first dibs at that player. And that was because at that point in time, boxing was still the premier sport in baseball um, in, in the United States. And, you know, basketball is trying to draw fan bases and draw a crowd. So they had these territorial picks and Holy Cross was a juggernaut at the time located in Worcester. Tommy Heinsohn played for Holy Cross. And so the Celtics forfeited their first round pick in 1956 in order to use it and make that territorial pick 
to take Tommy Heinsohn. Um, they were then also able to move up back in, well, move back into the draft by trading Ed McCauley to get the number two pick in which they took Bill Russell and, you know, the rest is history right there. Um, so just a little bit of trivia. I've said it plenty of times, so I'm sure you guys knew that. And I put it on my Twitter feed, but uh, just want you guys' reactions to Tommy Heinsohn, your memories of Tommy Heinsohn and what he meant what he meant to you and what he meant to the Celtics. Um, Adam, let's start with you. I mean, like you said, you don't, you don't, um, when you introduce the Celtics basketball, that's probably the first voice that, you know, anyone our age at least heard. And that's Tommy. You know, when I first started watching basketball, we didn't have, we didn't have cable in the house. So if you didn't have cable, that means you couldn't watch home games. So the road game announcers were Mike Gorman, Bob Cousy, and Tommy Heinsohn. And those were the three that, you know, I, those are the three that I, that I followed since from when I started watching. And then, you know, Tommy's just, you know, Cousy kind of left when he got a little older. He wasn't able to do the traveling, but Tommy just was, he's always there. He's always the ultimate homer. And, you know, nothing could ever go wrong against the Celtics when it was Tommy Heinsohn. And, you know, the great part about, about that I thought was great about Tommy was that he always stayed around the team. Like, right. you know, you see, you see legends come and go, you know, they'll come for their little, you know, the championship ceremonies every 10, 20 years or whatever. But Tommy was there, it seemed, you know, he was there every night and not even, not just during games. He was there during when they were practicing, during camp. Like you always seen, you always seen Tommy there. So, you know, it's going to be, a, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun watching the seas without, you know, hearing Tommy giving out. I'm sure they're still going to be giving out the Tommy points. Um, but, you know, you don't, you don't think basketball, you don't think Boston Celtics basketball without seeing, hearing, or, you know, just thinking about Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And he's like the, he's like that link to the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, living le- legend that that was a link to those prior Celtics teams. You know, going dating before Larry Bird, um, mm-hmm. and he was a constant. He was a mainstay in Boston, and it's just it's just going to be really. I mean, obviously he he wasn't able to travel as much anymore. He wasn't doing as many home games anymore, mm-hmm. to the chagrin of some people on Celtics Twitter. Um, Brian Scalabrini picked up a lot of his uh his his duties. Um, picked up the slack for, for Tommy Heinsohn and would do a lot of the broadcast with Mike, but uh, Trey, I think, I think I know what direction you might go in. And um, for me really quickly, Tommy Heinsohn was like those years before Paul Pierce and after the big three kind of faded out. And I'm talking about, you know, the Rick Fox years, the John Bagley, the Sherm Douglas, the, you know, really up until the, you know, through the Patino years, like listening to Tommy Heinsohn call the games was as big of a draw for me to watch the Celtics as it was the guys that were on the court. Like that's what made the games fun, listening to Tommy Heinsohn. Uh, And I know Paul Pierce in that era, sort of when you started picking up and becoming a big Celtics fan. So, so what did Tommy Heinsohn kind of mean to you as a Celtics fan? I mean, just to keep it honest, he feels like he's a, he was a family member, um, you know, growing up in all of our households, watching him, you know, on all the games. It's just, 
not something that I would have expected to hear yesterday. Felt like I got the wind knocked out of me. Um, but I loved him for his biased opinion on on the game. Um, the animosity that he showed towards the refs. Um, I don't know, just his unfiltered commentary. Um, some of his best calls was, you know, Isaiah Thomas calling him the little guy. Yep, yep. Um, that's like legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved Isaiah Thomas. He loved those teams, those Isaiah Thomas teams. Just to, just to piggyback off what Adam said, you know, I was reading an article that basically said that he made it his he made an effort to have a a solid relationship with pretty much like every player that comes to the organization. Like you, you know, he greets them, um, gives them a little talk. Uh, so that's something that I'm sure would be missed. Um, yeah, it's just there's a there's a lot of memories. Um, even the the Ricky Davis when when Ricky Davis tried to do the windmill or the between the legs dunk. And he missed it. And then Tommy, you know, Tommy started like getting on him. Mm-hmm. Tommy Heinsohn versus the refs was was legendary. It was great to hear to see, you know, in recent years when you when you go and look at, you know, chat rooms or boards and, and the opposing t- uh, fans are complaining so much about the Boston announcer because they're such homers. And then, you know, somebody inevitably chimes in and checks them like, yo, that's Tommy Heinsohn. Like that's just, that's not just any old guy being a homer. Like that's Tommy Heinsohn. And- right. Right. And I think the sad thing about it is that we'll probably, we'll never get that again. Um, Cause nowadays it's just, it's hard for commentators or broadcasters to be, biased in their reportings like mm-hmm. we've been getting a lot more of scowl over the years mm-hmm. and you see hit i mean even though he was a celtic he's a lot more you know unbiased he 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 doesn't he doesn't commentate the game with with green i'd, I'd love to see paul pierce in that in that seat as would i because that'd i be feel nice. like that'd be I nice to like, have paul there the, the great part I, about tommy is that he he said what you were thinking as a fan yeah like, when my hands were thrown. When my hands were thrown up in the air, so was yes. Thomas. Yes, he he uh he. When there was a bullshit call, it's you know you you knew what you were gonna get out of Tommy. It was either gonna be really sarcastic towards the refs, or he was gonna blow up like you just you just put a nail through his foot. Like ah, come on. Yeah. And, and and so you know you can't have you know peanut butter without jelly. You know, you usually have a burger with cheese and, and right around right there with, with Tommy Heinsohn was always Mike Gorman. And mm-hmm. so yesterday, you know, I, I was sitting next to my wife. I'm looking at my phone and I, I like go, oh, what? She's like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, Tommy Heinsohn died. She's like, Tommy Heinsohn. I'm like, yeah, Tommy Heinsohn. She's like, and she's kind of feeling bad. Like, I should know who this guy is. I'm like, Tommy Heinsohn. I was like, Mike and Tommy. She said, oh, when I said Mike and Tommy. She knew who it was. And that reminds me of the story of when Adam and I were at the open practice. This was in 2016 when they gave us the commemorative um, 60 year anniversary, I believe. Um, um, Commemorative um, season ticket booklets. And we were like two or three rows behind Mike and Tommy. And 
I kept trying to yell out Mike Gorman's name. I'm like, Mike, Mike, Mike. And finally he turns around and I say to him, can you get Tommy for me? And it was pretty funny because everyone's like, wow. Mike Gorman was just like the, the, the link to Tommy Heinsohn. But we got Tommy Heinsohn to sign to autograph our uh, season ticket booklets that day. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned it in one of the previous uh, previous pods about what's your most valuable sports memorabilia. You know, I have my my autographed David Ortiz jersey and I have my autographed Tommy Heinsohn season ticket booklet because I knew like that was the living legend. That was the link to the past. Um, so, I mean, it, obviously it's not a tragic passing in the sense of a Kobe Bryant, but still it's just. You know, 2020 really in in so many ways is like the end of an era and the beginning of this this new world that we're we're starting to move into. Um, Alex Trebek passed away within the last week. You know, these are two guys who have been staples on my television my whole life. Um and it's it's just not the same not having them on television. So um, if you guys want to throw any any more stories in, I mean, I love Walter and <laughs> Tommy Points. Yeah, the Tommy Point will you know, live forever. They just they're just legendary, and and not to mention one of his most underrated talents is that he was a, a great artist. He did he did great sketches, um, you know, pencil sketches of of Celtics players, of other individuals, of himself. That was one of Tommy Heinsohn's um, kind of unknown talents. Aside from just heckling at the refs, you know what I would love. I mean, for like if when the fans get back to the games eventually, if they could record some of Tommy's old audibles and put them over the PA system, mm-hmm. like him complaining at calls, that would be great. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. Send them that suggestion. Adam, any more any more final thoughts on on Tommy Heinsohn? They're calling it a hard foul. <laughs> They're calling it a hard foul. Calling it a hard foul. <laughs> this guy better go home to his wife, cause no one in here loves him. <laughs> was was Tommy was Tommy the one who had to sit in at the lottery when we were supposed to get Tim Duncan? I do. Was not. he our representative? I think Tommy might have been our representative at the lottery, cause I just remember just Tommy Hanson sitting there with his arms folded disappointed it had to be that tim duncan draft in 1997 um or it could have been the greg olden one i'm not sure but i just remember tommy being like the guy who had to go up there and he just (laughs) he never brought the number one pick home um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna miss him and i'm gonna miss him and at least you know his last few games that he got to broadcast was when things were still normal before the pandemic and the garden was packed and the games were exciting. So, like I said, you know, it's just it's just another marker where we just realize we're living in different times. Um, anything else you guys want to add? So, yeah, there's I mean, there's 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 no amount of justice that we can do due to Tommy Heinsohn. And I'm sure as next season and in this offseason begins, you know, the season is going to be dedicated to him. Um, and I'll just end this Tommy Heinsohn segment by saying, and I tweeted this, that the Celtics retired number one for Walter Brown, kind of recognizing him as the most important figure 
in Celtics history. He's the original owner of the Celtics um, and also helped found and create the NBA. Uh, number two is retired for Red Auerbach, who was considered to be the second most important figure in Celtics history. And behind them, number three is, is DJ. But behind those two guys, in terms of figures in Celtics history, I think you got to put Tommy Heinsohn right there. Uh, of course, Larry Bird bought the championships. Bill Russell bought the championships. But the longevity of Tommy being associated with the Celtics, and like you said, Adam, always being a constant. Any guy, anybody who's been drafted by the Celtics in the last 30 years has met Tommy Heinsohn, has had conversations with Tommy Heinsohn, has spoken to him before games, has spoken to him on the airplane. He was just a mainstay and a constant figure. And, uh, you know, there's no more, there's nobody who embodies the Celtics more than Tommy Heinsohn. So I'm sure he, he's somewhere getting ready for the draft. And so, and so will we. So the NBA draft comes up next week. Celtics have three picks in the first round. Trey, what picks are those? Can you remind the people what picks the Celtics have? Celtics have pick 14, pick 26, pick 30, and they have one second round pick, pick 47. Hmm, so it seems like the fifth year in a the row, they have more picks than they probably want to use. And the rumors are swirling about the Celtics potentially moving up in the draft. And I feel like I've been hearing that since the Justice Winslow days. Um, but nevertheless, here we are. And this team has a strong core and we we spoke about a bit about that in the last podcast you know Jalen Brown Jason Tatum is is a great foundation you sprinkle in some vets like Kemba Walker and potentially Gordon Hayward you have that high energy glue guy and Marcus Smart and then you have a couple of young up-and-coming bigs in the Williams brothers and a you know a solid rotational guy in Daniel Tice but there's much to be desired at the end of that bench at the end of that rotation and there's some weaknesses on this team. So a two part question that I have for you guys is what, who, who should the Celtics be targeting in this draft or what type of player should they be targeting in this draft to sort of supplement what they have because they are a championship contender. So you may draft a little bit more for need than, than upside. And two, if, Danny Ainge is able to move up in the draft. Who is that player that you'd want to get? So not only one, what type of player should they target, but give me a name of who they should target if they're able to move up in the draft. Um, whoever wants to go first, who wants to go first? Okay. So I'll go first. Right. Um, so if, if the Celtics were to move up, um, I would have them selecting a guard. Um, I think they need a guard. Um, just when you think about the core going forward of, of the Jays, you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I'm thinking of longevity once Kemba's contract is up beyond Gordon Hayward. You know, can we bring in another young guy that's going to be part of that core? And I just think if you draft another forward, I'm not sure how that forward's going to mesh, you know, with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum after Danny Ainge just got through saying that he wants to make sure that Jalen um, gets a lot 
more shots and, and things like that. Um, so I would go with the guard, and the guy that I would trade up for would be Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State. Um, he's just he's a six five combo guard. Uh he can he can shoot it. You play off ball. Uh he needs to work on shooting off the dribble. Um, but yeah, he can he can come in and he can be that guy to play off the ball, or he can be, you know, the ball handler. Um, and then the way I also look at trades is you want to have an asset going forward. So you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to pick up a guy that nobody wants. And that's my fear about Okung Wu. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that nobody wants him, but I feel like there's a, there's a select few teams that would be interested in acquiring him. Should you look to move him down the line in, in pursuit of a star. And I feel as though like a guy, like a Tyrese Halliburton, you know, should a Bradley Beal or a Devin Booker become available, those are a Tyrese Halliburton is the type of guy that would be able to get talk started, assuming that he ascends to the type of player I assume he can be. And on top of that, moving up, let's say you move up to six or seven to get that that spot. Uh, I feel as though number six or number seven, it just has more, you know, I guess you could say more clout to it, you know, number six pick mm-hmm. versus the number 14 pick. It just sounds a lot better. And and if you're a franchise that's moving a big name player, you're moving a star, you're going to want a former six overall pick and not number 14. Um, my, my go-to guy for draft analysis is, is Kevin O'Connor and, Obviously, Kevin O'Connor's with the ringer now. He has gotten into the information business, which seems to be prevailing in the NBA, a la Wolves or Shams. They get information, player movement, sources and things like that. But he started out as a draft guy. You know, he was he he would come out with his own draft guides. He was charging at the time. I think I might have actually bought one before, but I was always trying to catch snippets of Kevin O'Connor's draft guide and sort of what he what stands out to me that he says about uh, Tyrese Halliburton is he's a coach's dream. He does all the little things on the court from smart, timely defensive rotations to making rapid decisions to keep the offense flowing. Um, I mean, obviously his, his on-court talent is documented. I've heard a lot about his intangibles, his personality, his interviews, his sort of his, his, his addition uh, to team chemistry. Um, and I think that, a floor general, and I want to be specific about that because not just a guard. I think one of the Celtics' biggest needs is a, is a young floor general, somebody that can come off the bench and kind of run the offense, doesn't necessarily need to score, get other guys involved, particularly when uh, Kemba Walker seems to have some chronic knee issues, um, some chronic arthritis in his knees that can be managed, but it seems like that's going to be an issue when – Kemba had about four months off during COVID and came back to the uh, to the restart and was on minutes restrictions off the bat. Um, so if if I were to move up, it would be between Tyrese Halliburton and Onyeka Okongu. And um, 
I'm sure Danny Ainge has some nightmares of Bam Adebayo just giving us the business that whole that whole series. Um, and I believe he is the target if the Celtics can move up. Um, for most reports, they're going to have to get up to at least in front of Washington at nine. They're going to have to get to at least up to number eight to get Okongu. Um, Javoni and Schmitz from ESPN have Javon, have uh, Okongu um, as a better rated prospect than, than Wiseman. Um, so we may have to get up pretty high to get him, but I'd be extremely happy if we were able to get Tyrese Halliburton um, to have that floor general, that young next up and coming point guard off of the bench for the seas. Um, Adam, um, is, is there a guy that, is there another Tyrese that you're thinking of if we're able to move up or, or what, what do we need? And who do you, who do you see that player being that the Celtics should target? All right, so real quick, I'm going to say if the C's do move up in the draft, I would like to see them get Patrick Williams from Florida State. Mm. Um, I think he's exactly what this team needs, especially on the defensive end, to stop guys that we're going to see in the East that are long, rangy, athletic. And we don't want to burn Jalen Tatum out defensively, so we're going to need another guy that can step in to, to manage these guys. It's, it's good to have Smart out there, but – you know, he'll he'll tell Stevens he's going to guard any position, but, you know, he is at a height disadvantage and when we have him against wings that could just easily shoot over him. So I think Patrick Williams would be great for this team in that, in addition to the defense, he's a 3 and D guy. He's a, you know, three-point shooter. He's, he's a pretty good from the three, 85% free throw shooter in, in college. Like, he's not going to hurt you on the defensive end and he's not going to be scared to get the ball if he gets it down the stretch, because he could knock down his free throws. Um, so I would go that way. If we were to get into the top, like, you know, eight or top 10, I would lean toward Pat Williams. But I don't feel that Danny's going to find a way to trade up because it seems like whenever Danny does try to trade up, dudes want the world from him. And he's, he's I think he's learned from the Justin Wins- Justice Winslow <laughs> fiasco. He's still not, haunted by that. Not... <laughs> just throw everything on the board to, to get what he wants, even though he might want it, but it just is a crazy overpay. So I would love if, if they did stay at 14, I would love for the seats to get Tyrese Maxey. Um, I've been a fan of his for, it seems like forever now. Like the first game I seen him play in college, I was like, this guy could play. And he gives, he's the type of player that Danny's going to draft. He could guard multiple positions and he could run the pick and roll. And those are, two things, those are two two staples that on our team, both offensively and defensively. So um, Pat Williams, if we trade up, Maxie, if we stay put. So just to go off what Adam said, I definitely agree with Patrick Williams out of Florida State University. I like him and Devin Vassell. Um, so if we do move up, that would be one of the best options for us i mean like he said you know we don't know what's going to happen with hayward so just to have another guy to be a wing defender the potential two-way guy would be huge for the celtics to add um but i've heard that the pistons like him at seven so it's like you know i don't know if we can move up and i've heard tyrese halliburton could go six to the hawks so it's like I'm not sure if we could get up that high either. Um, So staying at 14 might just be the best bet. 
Yeah, I heard Halliburton, partic- uh, you know, pot- potentially at number four to the Bulls. Um, so do, do you think, do you see Danny being able to pull it off and move up this year? Um, I think if you're going to be able to move up, this should be the year to do it where the, the tiers of prospects are, are pretty crowded. So I think you might have, you, and I don't even think there's a consensus top three. I've, I've, you know, through all the draft covers that, that I've been reading, like I said, the ESPN guys, Javoni and Schmitz, you know, they have uh, Okongu in their top three on their big board. Kevin O'Connor has Killian Hayes number one on his big board. Um, so it's, it's a pretty wide net as far as guys who, you know, are all similarly uh, rated players. So if you're ever going to be able to move up in a draft, I think I think this is the year. But at the same time, I think if you're going to move up, you have to be guaranteed that the guy that you're targeting is there. Um, I think Devin Vassell or Okungwu would definitely be there at number eight. Really? See, from everything I heard, Okungwu is going to be gone by, by number eight. I mean, it, it very well could happen. I mean, but... It very well could it very well could happen that way, but I could see, you know, the top three in no order. Uh, you know, Lamelo, Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. Uh, you know, four. I could see Denny five. So, so quickly, quickly. Do you think? Do you think fourteen and twenty six is enough to move up into the top eight? I think fourteen and twenty six could probably get you to eight and you might have to throw in something extra to sweeten it who knows okay um i i'm really skeptical as to whether danny can actually pull this off because to adam's point danny makes fair offers but generally we've had so many assets where teams feel like they want to ask for your best assets, even though the deal that you're offering them is a fair one. He's just not going to do that. Even if he has we what we think is an excess amount of draft picks, he's not just going to throw you an extra pick and overpay for, for a player. Now I think that came back to bite us last draft, because if all the reports that we were, that we love Tyler Harrell so much at 13, then would anyone be complaining if we gave up a future pick or an extra pick to move up and get him last year? I don't think so. So I think Danny Ainge sees that, you know, this this team's window is pretty wide open because of how young Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is. But at the same time, there's this built-in pressure because we've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals with this group so many times and we haven't made it over the hump. So I think he's going to feel the need to have to do something to improve this team for next year. Um, and maybe he'll he'll be able to get it done. So I, I'm skeptical that he can move up, but this is his best chance to do and his last chance probably to do it because we don't have all those excess draft picks anymore going forward. So. Like- I feel like whenever we hear about trades, they're usually not going to happen. So, so far I've heard Obi Toppin was a target for the Celtics. That could mean the Celtics have talked to Cleveland about moving up to five and that's fizzled out. Then I've heard we're going to move up for, we want to move up for Okungwu. That could mean that we're trying to, you know, talk to the Knicks, but 
that could be fizzling out or Washington could be looking up to move up to number seven or number eight to make sure that they get them. So it's just, it could be a lot of smoke screens and we could move up to Phoenix at 10 to get the guy we really want. Who really knows? You know, I think, and I mentioned, can we move up into the top eight? Because the difference between 10 and 14, like there's Aaron Naismith, there's, there's Tyrese Maxey, there's Kara Lewis, Pat Williams. That, that, there's a lot of guys that if you're not going to be able to get up into that top five to eight range, you might as well, you might as well stay put. I am in my personal opinion, but Trey, you um, you started to run down sort of how you saw the top of the drafts playing out, um, and you and you started listing off those guys who you think you could see go early. So, how do you see the top three shaking out? Because there seems to be a consensus top three, but it seems like a draft where there could be a few surprises in the, in the early going. So who do you have as your top three picks in order? So in order, I'm going to go with LaMelo ball. Number one. Um, I think that he has the most trade value. Um, He's perceived to be the best player by most teams. And I was just talking about the Celtics drafting a player who going forward, you know, could be a good play for the Celtics, but could also be added in to a potential trade if need be. So I think the Wolves want to draft the best player available. Um, a player that could arguably play with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, a lot of people seem to think that Anthony Edwards is the better fit um, next to D'Angelo Russell. Um, but I think that they could make it work with LaMelo. And I also think you could see them moving down. Uh, but number two, I would go with James Wiseman. Um, you could also see that pick being moved. And then number three, I would go with Anthony Edwards. Um but it's it's crazy because I could I could easily see these being flipped where Golden State takes Anthony Edwards, they put him at the two between Steph and Clay. Clay's now the three. And then Wiseman goes to Charlotte and Charlotte gets their big man. But if Charlotte really wants James Wiseman, then perhaps they need to offer Golden State something to move up to two. Hmm. Um Adam, do you particularly the, the number one pick um, is is going to be interesting. But do you, do you have that sort of playing out the same order as Trey? Um, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, James, um, James Wiseman in, in, in that order? I think it's going to go um, – I do agree with Trey that I think Edwards, like, you know, you look at Minnesota's team – and you would think Edwards slots right into that, you know, three spot on the on in their starting lineup. But I think I still think they go mellow with number one. Um, I just think he's out of those three guys, he's the he's the better all around player. Um, they don't need why. I think if if they were going best player available, they might take Wiseman at number one. 
but with Towns already there, that's just it's it's just I don't think that's gonna work. Um, so if the if the choice is between Melo and Edwards, then I would probably you know if I was them, I would go Melo. So I think it's gonna go Melo, Wiseman, Edwards three, unless Edwards' workouts haven't turned out too well, then I could see him him being one of the guys that falls down there. So we have. I'm sorry, Trey. You had you had Edwards going number two to the Warriors, right? No, I had him going three to Charlotte. Okay, okay. I I could easily see it happen in the opposite. Um, I'm not, I'm not sold on Lamelo Ball. I don't know if it's the Lonzo experience. I don't know if it's you know, the lack, the lack of a jump shot. Um. The la- he, he has the size for sure. I think he's a six seven point guard who has been described as a genius playmaker. But I'm just wondering when you have, you know, everyone you're going against, especially at the point guard position in the NBA right now, you know, you have athletic guys up and down every single roster. And just that lack of a jump shot and the ball, the ball brothers, uh, experience i'm i'm not sold on Lamelo ball and i don't know if he's just being used as leverage for teams to try to move up and and give give minnesota an offer they can't refuse for that pick um i think anthony edwards is going to be the top pick um just because i i don't see a situation where it makes sense for for d'angelo russell to play off the ball all the time with with Lamelo ball as your starting point guard, he um, tried it with he tried it with Dinwiddie. It kind of um, worked. But then. So was was the where was was Dinwiddie the primary ball they handler or played off of each other? And I feel okay. like they could do that with Lamelo as well, where he can um, if he shoot well enough. Then it yeah, just, I mean, but, Din, Dinwiddie was a was a much better scorer. Two, so I think I think it was easier for them to alternate those roles when Dinwiddie could score off the ball as well. But um, you know, a lot of respected guys have Lamelo Ball as the clear number one in this draft. Um, that number two, which is kind of like my bold prediction, um, I have the Warriors taking Denny Avdija. Yes, yes. At number two, the the best player to ever come out of Israel. Um. It just seems like a Warriors, you know, type of move where, you know, they, they think they're light years ahead of everyone. They think outside of the box. Um, they're going to zig when you zag. And they've had a pretty good track track record drafting. Um, and that might be a guy that they want to use as a bridge piece, you know, international player. They've had, they've had a lot of success lately in the NBA coming over from overseas. Um, I think that that's my bold prediction. I think – that's the direction that the Warriors will go in if they can't find somebody to trade up. And they're hoping somebody trades up so they can get him at four or five anyways. Right. And then, and then at, yeah, and then at number three, I have um, Charlotte going with, with Wiseman. M- MJ's going to go with, with Wiseman. Um, unless there's a trade that could be pulled off for Russell Westbrook, Jordan Brand, um, something like that. And also just to throw in this piece, there's been reports that the Wolves are trying to trade back into the lottery and get two lottery picks. They're trying to trade. Uh, the reports are Jarrett Culver in the 17 pick for number six from Atlanta. 
where the which would leave the Wolves with number one and number six, which you'd have to think they're trying to package those two picks together to get a star player that may shake loose, aka a James Harden or something like that. Um, so lots, lots, lots is gonna happen on on draft day. So we we don't we don't have the most confidence that Danny's gonna move up. We think we think if I were a betting man, he, we're gonna keep all three of those picks, or, or 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 maybe we don't keep them all, but we don't use them to move up. Maybe we're able to trade one of those picks for a vet. Um, but assuming that we do keep all three picks, what's your Adam? If you if you could if the draft could play out. In your dream scenario, what what's the perfect sort of draft outcome for the seeds with those picks if Danny's not able to move them and move up in the draft? Yes, yeah, as, as much as I would love a veteran, um, I'm with you. I don't I just don't think it's gonna happen. I mean, it's kind of like fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, fool me three times, then why am I even being fooled anymore? But Danny not being able to trade up into it in a draft. So my three picks, if we do keep 14, 26, and 30 are, you know, you guys heard me profess my, my feelings for Maxi earlier. I'd go Maxi at 14. At 26, uh, it's going against what the mocks are saying, but I'm hoping this guy falls and it'll be a draft and stash with Alexei Poklusevsky, the youngest, youngest player in the draft. Mm-hmm. He could use a couple of years in Europe. We don't need to worry about him here. So let him go and hone his game. And at number 30, our, it's kind of similar to the Grant Williams pick. I like I like me some Cassius Winston. Mm. He seemed like he was in college forever. Um, he had great, he had he had a great shooting drill at the at their little mini combine that um that the NBA had for some players. Um, and he's just like, you know, what, what G mentioned earlier was that we need a, someone steady, a steady guy off the bench that could be like a little floor general. And Cassius Winston played point guard, I think, all three years, or even if he stayed four years in college. I think it was it, it, all three years of his college career. Um, so we could, you know, he's what I think we wanted Carson Edwards to be for us last year, which didn't, which definitely didn't happen. Um, so at 30, I think, you know, you want to get a guy that's going to come in and, and get into your rotation. And I think Cassius Winston would, would be that guy. I can even see them doing the draft and stash at number 14 and not messing around um, and hoping that that guy falls to 26. That's what they did with Yabu. <sighs> yeah, that is what they did. Um, they draft and, and, and in that draft, it was a similar draft where we had the three first round picks, I believe. Um, we had, we took Jalen that draft, I think. Was that Jalen Yabu and, um, didn't we get Jalen Yabu and Zizic in the same draft that year? Yeah, I think Zizic was at twenty three. Um, yeah, I don't think we got Yabu the the um, Tatum draft, so I think we might have got him, got him at um in the two thousand sixteen draft. Um, so Trey, who's your what's your what's your dream scenario for for those three first round picks? Uh, what would make what would give you what would lead you to give the Celtics a A plus draft grading 
and you're sleeping comfortably next Wednesday night. So let me just start off by like saying the first four guys we expect to be LaMelo, Edwards, Wiseman, Denny, right? So at five, I got Cleveland there. And they can either take Obi Toppin or they could go Isaac Okoro Mm -hmm. or they could allow another team to move up that really likes a guy. Um, But let's say Isaac Okoro, Tyrese Halliburton, and Killian Hayes are the next three off the board. Obi goes eight to the Knicks. Let's just say that. And Okungwu, nine to the Warriors, to the Wizards. Um, So then at 10... Uh, let's say Kira Lewis. No, let's say Devin Vassell's gone. Uh, at 11, Aaron Naismith is taken by the Spurs. Mm. And then at 13, they take RJ Hampton. I feel like that puts us in a predicament where what's left is Patrick Williams. So, so Patrick Williams is still on the board, which I don't think is a possibility. So that means he's got to usurp one of those guys that I've mentioned. Um, so I have a guy, I have a list of 18 guys here, basically. Um, and I guess I would go with Aaron Naismith, if he is there, Patrick Williams, if he's there, Kevin Vassell, if he's there, Kara Lewis, if he's there. I mean, pretty much the best guy out of those guys, whoever's left. I mean, out of those 14 names, whoever's left, I feel like you're good with any of those guys. If Kara's left at 14, you could take Kara Lewis. If if uh, Aaron Naismith is there, you can take Aaron Naismith. If R.J. Hampton is there, you can take R.J. Hampton. I mean, even if Obi falls, for whatever reason, if he falls to – 14 you can take him because i'm assuming patrick williams is climbing up boards if killian hayes falls you might get him like somebody's gonna fall to 14 out of all those names that i that i mentioned yep somebody's definitely gonna fall to 14 which you know unless the celtics have really fallen in love with okongu that's even more of a reason why they're probably gonna sit tight and if they do do that in my perfect scenario, with those three picks, one of them gets traded for a vet. There's been some talk about um, Larry Nance Jr. I wouldn't do that for the 14th pick. I know he's not a sexy name by any means, but I wouldn't trade for him. But we we, we need a veteran to add to that bench. And I don't know if we're, we're going to be able to get that guy with the taxpayers mid-level. Um we might, but I would love to see us use one of those picks to trade for a vet. I mean, it, I don't think this would happen, but <laughs> it, it, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. If, if, if we can get one of Aaron Naismith or Tyrell Terry with the 14th pick, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I think Tyrell Terry is a little undersized compared to Naismith, but they're both lights out shooters and probably – two of the three best shooters in the draft. I'd be happy to get either one of those guys who can be just, uh, you know, a microwave scorer off the bench. And then this kid that I'm starting to like, that I'm hoping he's there at 30, is, is Jaden McDaniels from Washington. Oh, yeah. 
200 pounds, seven foot wing wingspan. He's 19 years old. Um, he has good handles for his size. He has a good offensive game. He's pretty raw. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a Jonathan Isaac almost. Um, but he, he, he can defend. He's quick. Like he had, it's going to take him a little while to come along and, you know, maybe, maybe we're able to bring in Aaron Baines back in or, or a veteran big man and still have Rob Williams and Grant Williams. And then, you know, maybe can bring McDaniels a, a little bit further along. Um, and that, that would be my perfect draft. Um, unless if we don't trade one of those picks for a vet, if we're able to use it for, I can't pronounce his name, Adam, the guy, the, the, the draft and stash player. His Alexei Pokusevsky. Yes. His name is Poku. Poku. Pokemon. We, we can get, if we can draft him and stash him, get Tyrell Terry or Aaron Naismith and get McDaniels in the back end of the draft, like any of those, any three of those four would make it a successful um, draft night for me. Um, but would, who knows? I would have them going with Aaron Naismith or Kara Lewis at 14. So depending on which one of those guys they got there at 26, you could draft and stash. If Poku is there for whatever reason, um, take him. If not, Leandro Balmaro, there's Teo Maladone which I don't know if, you, if you've already selected Kara Lewis or Tyrell Terry, you obviously wouldn't want to pick up another point guard there. Um, and then at 30, I think there's going to be some wings there. If you didn't already get a wing in Aaron Naismith, you could get uh, Tyler Bay. Um, he's going to be a 3 and D guy. We talked about defense, Patrick Williams. Um, he could bring that some of that energy um, in defense. There's a, there's a bunch of guys there. Jaden McDaniels is an interesting guy. I don't think he'll make it past OKC at 25. I think any team from 20 to 25 would be crazy to let him slide. Even the teams in the teens from 15 to 20. Would yeah, be crazy. I've heard, I heard some rumblings about the Nets maybe taking him. Um, but it would be good to, if he's there at 26. That that would be great. Um, um, but so so I guess, you know, so much is up in flux. There's going to be lots of reports happening over the next week. Shit. By the time we post this, this pod, something might've went down. Um, so what's your bold prediction? Get, give me, give me your, your one bold prediction for draft night. It doesn't have to be a draft selection. It could be a trade for, you know, it could be a big trade. It could be a trade for a star player. Um, it could be whatever, like somebody drops, somebody falls, somebody moves up, like, What's your bold prediction, Trey, for the 2020 NBA draft? Like, what would be the most 2020 thing to happen at this draft, given the way the rest of this year is gone? So we're seeing how the Patriots are moving now, now that their dynasty seems to be over. Hmm. Um, and we see what happened with the Spurs when their dynasty ended. Um, I'm projecting that after what has it been like two years of the Spurs not doing so well as they did previous years, mm -hmm. I'm projecting them to move up from 11 to number two in this draft. Mm. Um, mm. Aldridge? Now, here's the thing. I, I'm not sure exactly who they want to select. It would either be Wiseman or Denny Abdesia. 
one of those two guys uh, would go to San Antonio, Aldridge for Wiggins, um, and then uh, Rudy Gay would be traded into Golden State's trade exception. They have a $17 million trade exception that they could use. So he would be traded into that trade exception. Then you would swap Aldridge for Wiggins. You would swap number two for 11. And then it gets kind of complicated from there. I mean, maybe Golden State wants a little more considering Aldridge is on an expiring. Um, Maybe they ask for Derek White. Maybe San Antonio says no. There's a bunch of back and forth on that. Maybe extra draft pick. But I think maybe San Antonio moves up. They get their guy of the future, either Denny Abdija or James Wiseman. Yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out who would be that ideal vet to pair with Steph, Draymond, and Clay. I mean, obviously, KD was perfect. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who else might fit in with that trio because you know Golden State's trying to trade Aldridge, Aldridge is the mid-range king, so you cannot leave him open. If you're chasing around Steph and you leave him open for a mid-range, he's money. He's money. If you add Rudy Gay to that as well, he's pretty good. And then whoever they get at 11, I'd like to think Aaron Naismith might be there at 11. So the Warriors could see themselves adding Aaron Naismith on top of Rudy Gay and LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay. Adam, you got a bold prediction for for next week's draft? I got two. Okay. Two Um, for the price of one. My first one is James Harden. Joining Mr. Kyrie Irving and Mr. Kevin Durant <laughs> as members of the Brooklyn Nets. Woo! And I got Houston just cleaning house mm. and trading Russell Westbrook. Some and I don't know how they're gonna do it. Two way, three three team, four team deal. But I think Russie's gonna end up on the Indiana Pacers. Wow! They got the pieces to trade for that contract. Um. Indy and Russie to me seems like he thrives in those small towns where he's just the emotional leader of the team. And when you're playing the Indiana Pacers, I think you're there, they're what you would call like a regular season team. Once the playoffs come, no one's really worried about playing the Pacers. Um, Russie kind of gives them that alpha guy that they don't have. Like Oladipo's, you know, good. Sabonis is probably their best all around player. You know, they don't have that that dog on their team. And I could see Indiana trying to just make a splash and getting a guy like Russi. Hmm. Um, I would love that from a Gordon Hayward perspective. I was going to say, does that mean – I was going to wonder how, how that maybe affects Gordon Hayward. If you love that from a Hayward perspective, that means – Maybe that means – still in Boston. Yeah, he wants to stay. He wants to renegotiate here because he feels as though here would be better than going to Indy to play with Russ and Malcolm Brogdon. As a little free agent pool teaser, I have Gordon Hayward ended up on the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> mm. Wow. Um, well, if a, if Gordon Hayward doesn't decide to extend his contract, then I, I just don't see how he's back on the team next year. Even if it's agreeing to just opt in and do a sign and trade, or he just goes somewhere else, but um, if he just opts in, the Celtics should trade him. Um, yeah, what's your bold prediction, G? My bold prediction, maybe it's not so bold, but I think Lamelo Ball falls out of the top three. 
Um, and if he does fall, if he does fall out of the top three, then you have to start thinking, you know, where he might end up. Um, at number four, the Bulls, you already have, you know, you have, um, who do we have over there at, at the point guard? Kobe White. Kobe White. You have, you have, um, Zach Levine there. Um, I mean, I don't think that would stop them from taking LaMelo Ball. At the fifth pick, Cleveland already has Darius Garland, Colin Sexton that they took, you know, the last couple of drafts. And then at number six, you have the Pistons. No, you have the Hawks, who already have Trey Young, um, who are looking to add veteran talent. I could see um, DeMar DeRozan ending up in Atlanta um, if he opts out from from San Antonio. Um, that could be a veteran presence for that team. Then number seven, you have um, – the Pistons are at eight. No, the Knicks are at eight, and the Pistons are at seven. So I could see maybe Lamelo Mall may, may even fall to number seven to the Pistons um, if he falls out of the top three. But I, that's my bold prediction that Lamelo Ball falls out of the top three. Maybe he ends up in New Orleans with Lonzo and Levar. <laughs> Levar can move down to the Bayou, and it could be it could be <laughs> the big baller brand down there. But try to try to pay Griffin to get Jello on the squad. Jello, <laughs> mellow, jello. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, our free agency pool section five free agency pool deadline is past, past. <laughs> it was 11 59 p.m. So hopefully, the commission will grant us a, an extension uh till tomorrow morning to get those picks in. Um, but but should be fun. We'll try to keep up on the latest rumors. If there's an emergency section five podcast needed due to some fireworks or a potential trade, uh, we'll be right there. We'll be right on it. Um, once again, shout out, rest in peace to Tommy Heinsohn. We're going to miss him. And, and thanks for listening. We're available where you find all your podcasts. So check us and we'll see you guys at the draft. Go Seas. Peace out. Go Biden.